Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. We hope these messages encourage, convict, and inspire you to love and follow Jesus more faithfully as we seek to saturate our city with the hope of the gospel. Our online resources are meant to serve you, but they aren't a replacement for the face-to-face relationships that we were built for. So we really hope that if you're in Owensboro, you'll join us in person on a Sunday morning. And if you live elsewhere, you'll find a local church in your community where you can put down roots and find family. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc. Well, growing up as a good old Southern Baptist boy, uh, Ash Wednesday was not really something I ever knew anything about. Uh, I, uh, my best friend in middle school was a Catholic even, and I just had no idea what Ash Wednesday was uh, until I got to college. And uh, my freshman year, I was in an 8 a.m. Uh, Spanish conversation class, which is exactly where you want to be at 8 a.m. And uh, I, uh, I came in and I sat down on a Wednesday morning and I sat next to, uh, there's a girl that I took a lot of classes with her. We were kind of class buddies. And uh, so I sat down next to her and I looked and I was like, hey, you, uh, you, you have something on your forehead. And she looked at me and she was like, yeah, those are my ashes. And I, this is embarrassing, but I kid you not, without missing a beat, I said, oh, I didn't know you smoked. And like, it took me about a week to get my foot out of my mouth because I just felt terrible that I probably really offended her by saying that. Uh, But like growing up in the church that I was in, that was just never something I had any experience with. And I think in many Christian circles, Ash Wednesday just isn't something we think about. Like taking a whole day just to set aside uh, to remember the brokenness in our world and to repent of our sin and to long for Jesus's coming victory over that sin and death, that doesn't come naturally for a lot of us. Like for many of us, and I don't want to necessarily put this on you, but for me, I'll say, uh, you know, we feel like we're supposed to be these happy, clappy Christians all the time, singing songs like, every day with you, Lord, is sweeter than the day before. But sometimes that's really hard if we're being real, right? Like the Christian experience isn't always sunshine and roses. People hurt us. Churches hurt us. Institutions fail us. There's many times we look up to certain people and then they fall into sin Loved ones get sick. People die. Yes, the the Christian life is one that's meant to be marked by surprising joy, but but so many times that joy comes in the midst of great suffering. Because this world is broken. Sin has ruined every corner of this place, and and we are truly living in every sense in a land of death. And our, our culture tries really hard to avoid this reality. Like if you just look at like skincare commercials or, um, you know, like, like uh, look at skincare commercials or plastic surgery or just the constant entertainment that we keep turning to uh, to distract ourselves, the reality of death is something that our culture tries to avoid at all costs. But I would submit to you guys this evening that, that it is only through an awareness of the darkness in the world that we can truly appreciate the light. And it's only by reflecting on and confessing our own sinfulness that we can truly embrace the hope and the freedom of the gospel. So if you guys have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter four, we're gonna spend just a few minutes tonight uh, looking at one of the darkest chapters in the life of Jesus. Matthew four, verse one says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. But then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So Jesus is led up into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And after 40 days and 40 nights, Satan appears to begin tempting him. Taryn and I had the privilege a few years back of actually traveling to Israel. And it was an amazing trip in so many ways. We saw tons of amazing sights and, and saw like literally where Jesus walked. It was, it was an incredible experience. Uh, but one of the most profound experiences that we had on that trip uh, was when we actually went up into this same wilderness that's talked about here in this passage. We went to the, uh, the baptism site there at the River Jordan where Jesus was baptized. And then we got in our car and we went up to the, uh, the, the mountains and the wilderness where Jesus, it's thought, was, uh, was led up to by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think you'll see a picture on the screen here uh, that I took that with my, my phone while we were up there. And so one of the coolest experiences we had, we went up into that wilderness and we just all spread out in our group and got far apart. We found a, a place to get just alone and we spent an hour of just silence and solitude with the Lord there in the wilderness. And, and uh, it just, it really left an impact on me. Uh, but you'll see there, Jesus went up into that barren desert wasteland. He spent 40 days and nights up there where his human body was pushed to its limit. I mean, we're talking extreme heat, scorching winds. He had no food to nourish him for 40 days and 40 nights. He was weak. He was probably pretty frail. He was vulnerable in ways that, that we can't possibly imagine. I mean, I would imagine that his physical suffering over that time was probably greater than anything he's ever experienced in his life and would experience up until the moment where he was crucified on the cross. And in that moment of great weakness and great suffering, the enemy saw an opportunity. It says, Satan comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now for God, that's a pretty small thing, right? I mean, for the creator of the universe who holds everything together, who literally spoke and the world came into being, who, who turns water into wine and, and will perform tons of more impressive miracles down the road, coming up with some bread isn't really that big of a deal. So, so what's Satan's play here? He's attacking Jesus's appetites because we believe Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And the text says that he was hungry. He attacks Jesus's human neediness. He tempts Jesus to fulfill his neediness and his desires and his appetites outside of God's design and plan to meet his own needs rather than relying on the Lord. Because how much pain in our world, how much of our own sin comes from that same temptation to fulfill our own desires and appetites outside of God's design. We eat, we drink, we're merry. We live life so many times as if God doesn't exist. We sleep with people who aren't our spouses. We, we look at pornography. We get drunk. We, we use drugs because we're trying to satisfy our own desires and longings aside from God's plan. And I mean, if death is the end anyway, then why would we resist these things that promise to satisfy us, Right? But so much of the suffering in the world, so much of the brokenness in our own lives 
comes out of this desire to meet our own needs and to provide for ourselves. But that sin never truly satisfies. Jesus responds to the tempter. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So food, drink, sex, drugs, status, money, power, position, all these things that we chase after, none of them will ever truly satisfy. They always leave us empty and longing. But the good news of the gospel is that we already have the one thing that will truly satisfy us, and that is our creator. We can resist the temptation to settle for bread because the Lord's preparing for us a feast. But look at how in each of these three temptations, Satan begins over and over, if you are really the son of God, why does he say that? If you flip back a page in your Bible, right before this, you'll see in the verses or right before this situation, when he goes into the wilderness, you'll see Jesus's dramatic baptism scene there at the Jordan River. You'll see Jesus baptized and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and, and the voice of God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then immediately the Spirit calls him up into the wilderness. God says, you are my son. And Satan says, are you really God's son? Satan here is attacking his identity. If God is real, if God really loves you, if you're really his son, why are you suffering? Why are you at the end of yourself right now? Scripture says that God will protect you from harm, and yet you've been suffering for 40 days and 40 nights. Let's find out if he's for real. Just throw yourself down and, and test God. The scripture says that he'll send his angels to protect you. Let's put God to the test and see if he really is there, if he really is for your good. Or bow down and worship me into the suffering now and get all the power and authority that God says you deserve, right? Like you're supposed to be the king of kings. Take your kingdom, worship me. You can have it now. Have you ever been here? Like I'm suffering. I'm going through something right now and it seems like I'm at the end of myself. My marriage is struggling. My kids are going crazy. I'm right back in addiction where I said I would never go back to again. Why am I here? I mean, is God even there? It feels like my prayers aren't going past the ceiling. I don't feel like he hears me. And if he does hear me, can I trust that his promises are for me? Like, am I really his child if I'm going through this? When we're suffering, when we're faced with the darkness of the world, the enemy will often tempt us to doubt God, to doubt his existence, to doubt his goodness, to doubt whether or not he loves us. And we're confronted with the same question he asked Jesus in the wilderness, is God really your father? Or maybe he tempts us to take the easy way out, to go against God's design and to claim the power and the authority and the promises that God has promised for ourselves. But Jesus didn't need to put God to the test. He, he resisted that temptation. He did not sin because Jesus knew who he was. He knew whose he was. God had spoken to him, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus believed it. He believed God's word and he trusted God's promise by faith, even when he was walking through suffering. Because though the world offers so much that is alluring, Satan will give us everything we want. The kingdom that is coming is greater. And Jesus knew that there could be no true kingdom without a cross. That glory would come from agony. 
that true power comes from humility, that God is working to bring beauty from ashes. And so on this Ash Wednesday, as we reflect on the suffering and the brokenness and the sin of the world, let's look to the example of Christ. I wanna take a few minutes for us all just to take a second to, to have a time of reflection and prayer. And I want us to work through a few questions together. And let's just take this time just to be really honest with God, right? Like let's put all the pretenses aside. Let's put all the right answers aside and let's just be real with God for a minute. And let's prepare our hearts for this 40-day journey to Easter. First question. If you wanna close your eyes, that's fine. They'll be on the screen as well. What sin are you clinging to in order to satisfy your own appetites and desires outside of God's design? Second question, when you're suffering, when you're going through that thing you're going through right now, do you go to your father and do you rest in his love and his grace and trust in his purposes or do you question and doubt? Third question, what hard thing are you avoiding? What is an area that you're tempted to be disobedient to God's plan for your life and to do things your own way? Guys, the good news of the gospel on this Ash Wednesday is that while this world is ruined by sin, God is doing something about it. Every single sin and failure and every bit of shame that we might feel when we, when we go to confess our sins and we reflect on our brokenness, when we wanna go to shame, turn that shame into joy because every single way that you have messed up, if you were in Christ, that was nailed to the cross. When the darkness of the world seems overwhelming, when that sin seems all-consuming, just remember, guys, Easter is coming. There is a day coming soon when death will be no more. When this suffering will be over and every tear will be wiped away and you're gonna see him. And he will look at you as a co-heir with Christ and he will say, this is my son in whom I am well-pleased. Guys, this is our hope. This is how we overcome. Because though Ash Wednesday is dark, Easter is coming. Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc.